You are listening to episode 29 of the Drunk Sex Podcast. Welcome to Drunk Sex. Whatever you're into, we've got you covered. So crack open your favorite beverage and join your host, Jen Wardkey, for the Drunk Sex Podcast. All right, here's the backstory, guys. Uh, I'm actually out recording at happy hour. I usually bring people home from happy hour. But I'm out at happy hour with a good friend. So that's why you hear some ambient noise in the background. I'm sorry. And I also have a new mic. So I'm testing all of this out. So I'm here with my good friend, Tara. I have been talking lately to women about desire and their sexual education. And I'm curious... Can you give us a bit of a backstory? How were you educated in terms of sexuality? I mean, here's where I'm coming from. I'm not sure that I want to talk about my age, but I was born in the fucking 70s. So I was coming of age where the AIDS epidemic uh, was at a crisis level. So I was certainly not taught about pleasure in school. I'd not talk about not taught about female orgasm in school. It was really just about how to be safe because I think we were very scared at that time so a lot of my uh, education not a lot of my education a lot of what I know about pleasure uh, just came from me trial and error and figuring out what I needed to know and how I where I needed to go and I didn't have any direction and I'm actually a little bit resentful that I didn't have somebody to guide me in the ways of pleasure and entitlement in terms of I should be allowed to have an experience that pleasure. So I'm curious if you have a similar or different experience or how can you talk on that? Okay. A lot of what you're saying is resonating for me. I'm apparently considerably older than you. So I'm trying to think about my um, education. So I do remember, so my mom is a GP, she's a physician, and when I was in grade five, she slipped a a pamphlet in my school bag that I totally checked out at school, pretending, somehow thinking that my mother would never know that I looked at this, like, so funny how kids are. Something about, I don't know, your body and you, whatever. And then I have a vague memory of some education in junior high, but uh, like, absolutely, Jen, what you're talking about, uh, like, I don't even remember how I would know what would happen or what it would be like. Oh, here's an interesting story. I do remember there was a guy who was a couple years older than my boyfriend and me who specifically talked about, okay, we're going there. He specifically talked about hymen stretching and getting her ready. Can we fucking not with the hymen? Oh my God. It makes me crazy. The hymen is a bullshit thing that is not real. You can't determine virginity. I mean, it's a real thing in that it is a physiological thing. You all can't see Tara's face when I said that. So it is a physiological thing, but it doesn't have any impact on our sexuality. It, it means nothing in terms of female experience because it's so varied among women. Like you can be born without it. You can, it can break like from non-sexual physical activity and some women can have had many 
sexual experiences and it's still intact. So yes, Tara just made a face of me. Um, that is very true. The hymen means nothing. It's really in some ways quite obsolete and uh, anyway. Okay. Okay. Wow. I, I, I just went to school with Jen anyway. So, it, so I just like, this was my education as, uh, as a young girl um, with a boyfriend starting to have feelings, starting to, you know, experiment and fool around. And I just remember our older friend, Matt, giving my boyfriend instructions, like important instructions, like this is what should happen. And this is probably what you'll want to do for your girl. Oh, so tell me about that. What is it that they wanted to do for the for their girl. What was that? Well, oh my God, good thing we're drinking wine. So, I ordered another bottle. Did you notice? Yeah, clearly you had a you had some sort of plan. Woo. Even drunk, I'm feeling edgy about this. So yeah, he. I remember him, like, just having these instructions from the older boys who had already had sex, like, this is what you're going to do. This is what will make it easier. This is what will make it less painful for her. I definitely didn't feel like this was in any way um, disrespectful. It was more like, this is how it's going to work out better for both of you. That doesn't seem like that seems okay and kind and respectful, doesn't it? I don't know. Tell me more. I feel like it's as respectful as young teens can be, right? It wasn't like, oh, she's down, blah, 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 tap her, meh, 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 like any, any of that. It definitely felt to me at that time and still strikes me now that it was done with best intention that it was clear this was going to be fully consensual. It was clear this was going to involve a condom. Like, everything was very clear from the outset. Consent was absolutely a part of what we were doing. And sorry, how old were you at that time? Sorry, do, sorry, we can, you cannot answer. Were you 25? I was 25. Yeah, you and I were both 25. I think that's the answer I'm going to go with. Sounds like a good answer. So did you <laughs> did you enjoy? Um, i definitely say the first time, no. No. I would think that, yeah, I would say that me too the first time. Maybe no. I mean, 25, I think my experience was, you know, I had weathered some of the... <laughs> That's a lie. I was going to say, whether some of the teenage storms of like pressure, I was like, but actually nobody wanted to fuck me when I was a teenager. So for me coming around at 25, like I was at the point where I was like, I want to do it. I'm consenting the fuck out of whatever is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I totally thought 25 was a euphemism because because uh, if, nope. if you haven't seen her, Jen's fucking hot. I'm like. And, and like, I don't, yeah, anyway, she's also from sort of a small shit town. So I don't know what the hell else they were doing other than, you know, playing around and experimenting and having sex. That would be Edmonton. 
We were shoveling fucking snow is what we were doing. <laughs> well, it, yeah, so uh, White Horse is uh, sub-arid, so clearly we had a lot of time freed up by not having that much Wait, wait, sub-arid? Yeah. Do you mean sub-Arctic? No, yes, also. What? What? I'm confused. Okay, apparently the Drunk Sex Podcast has veered off into geography. So, by the way... Where I grew up was inside the dry belt of the Coast Mountains, but also in the Yukon. So, yes, both subarctic and sub-Arab. Uh, air. <laughs> That's not better. <laughs> That's not better. You didn't do a better job. <laughs> so, what you're saying is it was hot and cold and dry and wet. <laughs> in, indeed, we had weather. That's what I'm trying to say. We had weather. We had weather. That's a town you want to go visit. We had fucking weather. Tell me about the sex. Uh, okay, here's the story I need to tell you about Whitehorse Yukon. So, there is a rumor, I'm sure an urban myth. Okay, straight up, I'm grabbing this fucking phone. I'm taking this fucking phone because she keeps like trying to pull it away and I, I don't know it's like some sort of seduction technique that she's trying to get me on her side of fucking yeah okay whatever she's trying to say so there's an urban myth in the Yukon that some prostitutes came up sex workers came up at some point either in the 80s or the 90s like seriously this is full myth and they stayed for a while and apparently when they left, they they put an ad in the White Horse Star newspaper saying, essentially, um, we can't make a living because it's free up here. So that's where I'm from. Proud northern community that had more bars per capita than anywhere on the planet is what they said. Tangents. I don't know where we got off track. But you seemed to be talking about some boys that seemed uh, really respectful. They seemed to be wanting to... Uh, one boy, sorry. One boy and his friends. I don't mean like a gangbang for your first time. That's not what I mean. But the boy you were going to sleep with for your first time when you were 25... Uh, seemed to have gotten some uh, suggestions from his friend that were intended to make you feel good and happy. And, and was about your pleasure? Am I misinterpreting your words? No, you're nodding. You're nodding. She's nodding. She's nodding. She might snatch the microphone out of my hand soon. Um, <laughs> so, so that seems actually really kind of quite amazing. Uh, and, and can you tell us about how that actually played out and what your experience of that was? And remember, like a dick, keep it close to your mouth. That's interesting. Of like, I'd love to ask you why is that amazing? Do you do you feel like the f consensual, respectful, interested in her pleasure first time is unusual? To a certain extent, yeah. Especially when you're 25. We keep using fucking air quotes. I generally don't think that for your first time. I don't know. I'm totally. This is. I'm totally imprinting my own experiences and thoughts on this but uh but it's a very evolved teenager i think 
I want to say, especially for a teenage boy, and that sounds very gendered in a way that I don't mean it to be gendered, but it is gendered in the sense that typically we allow and expect men to take pleasure and their pleasure is often a given where female pleasure. And I think in our society really isn't, it's not taught in schools, which we, I don't think that we talked about on Mike. We talked about it a little bit earlier. So the fact that female pleasure seems to be largely absent from our sexual education conversations to have teenage boys come into it with the intent to make sure that their partner felt good. I mean, I don't know. I didn't have that experience. I haven't interviewed a lot of teenagers because they fucking can't come to happy hour. It does strike me as being a little bit out of the ordinary. Do you, no, you don't, you disagree. You don't, you don't what, what Tara, what? I don't know because I only know my experience and, um, I knew, like, I knew the stories of my friend's experience, which is not necessarily true. I'm now going to tie it back to my mysticism and my intuition and um, my sense that I'm a very old soul who came into this body after, like, probably thousands of lifetimes. And... My mom has said that she couldn't tell me what to do since I was the age of two. So perhaps those little teenage boys trying to deal with me at that age that I will not disclose that is potentially younger than 25. um, (laughs) I have a feeling that I maybe already was so clear on what I would and would not do that not they, he had, he was pretty clear that he wasn't going to get me to do something that I wasn't willing to do. And that to push me too hard would cause me to freak out and like just spit the hook to use a nice fishing analogy, right? That I don't think, I think it actually would have been very easy to freak me out and have me just say, fuck it, I'm out, I'm out. I'd rather be out and never really thought about how that might make me a pariah or that might make me a prude or that might make me a who knows what. Like, I don't know. I was doing what I wanted to do and he was definitely facilitating that. He was very much my equal age. So it's not like he was much older and uh, like teasing me or hoodwinking me or sneaking anything past me we were both young at the same time we were both he and I actually are still in touch on Facebook which is hilarious and not that long ago we were DMing and he was like oh we were so innocent (laughs) I just took the mic from her because I fucking love that that's amazing I love that. I fucking love that. That's a great story. Anybody listening, I would invite you to, you know, jump on to the email that I have. I have so many emails. What's this one? I think it's the, I don't fucking know. I think it's the drunks. I don't know what my email is for this podcast. Just email Jen at jenwalkie.com. Sorry, I'm an asshole. Don't remember. I have a email for this podcast. Don't fucking remember. I would love to hear uh, stories because... Because I'm not really sure that actually your experience is typical. As much as it should be typical, it should be typical. 
like partners coming into it the first time that you, you know, you want that to be loving and consensual and all of those things. But, but I'm not really sure that that is so typical. Mine, I think mine kind of was somewhat typical in the sense that, although he wasn't a virgin, but that didn't matter. I was 25. But I think for me, being 25, like, it was much more like I was not, I wasn't fumbling through some of that teenage, what the fuck, how does this, what, what, what. She's taking a photo, and it's fucking throwing me off, because I'm talking about my goddamn virginity right here. She's taking a fucking photo. Jesus Christ. Now it's pointed right the fuck at me. This better be, I better look goddamn glorious. Oh, you put it down already. So, what do you say? Okay, here's my other question. I'm somebody, lost my virginity at 25. I would say that I came into my sexuality somehow considerably later. And it wasn't that it was absent until then. It's that it was sort of latent in some senses. But that's even not true. Like, I remember certain smells and things that looking back now as an adult, that my little child brain didn't, didn't register as sexual. But there was something about it that I was like, oh, that's interesting. I want to look at that. I want to. And now my adult brain's like, oh, I was just too young to put words to sexual arousal or excitement or what have you. So part of me, like, almost doesn't know where to put myself. Like, am I a late bloomer? Like, you know, I didn't fuck till I was 25. But I can remember experiences at six. That were very, like, like random, esoteric, like, I can't pinpoint it. But I remember the feeling, and as an adult, I look back, and I'm like, that was sexual. That was a sexual feeling. That was a sexual thought. Like, and it was, it's not a sexual intention, because six-year-olds don't have that intention. But, but, it, was, but it, was, it was some of that as well. I don't know. I don't know what I'm asking you now, but I'm going to give you the fucking mic and ask you to comment. Whatever. Here you go. Woo. This is an edgy, like with as much rosé as I've had, this is still edgy. So I do also remember certain scents of like that I now would say, I think that was all of us girls coming, coming of age. Uh, and I don't necessarily mean that in uh, quite as dirty as that just sounded, but uh, like, you know, like I think as we were going through puberty, puberty, we were our bodies were having reactions, and our brains didn't know. And I think our bodies were doing things, and we could smell stuff, and we didn't know what it was. We didn't know what was happening. We didn't realize what it was. Although I will still recognize that scent and think back to it. And I'm not saying that that was a sexual experience in the slightest, but I can catch a scent that may not even be exactly the same. And I will, it will cast me back to a time in middle school where I'm like, I remember that smell. Was it Jaquar, Jaquar Noir? <laughs> Okay, I'm a little older than you, so Dracar Noir was later in my later in my development. No, I'm actually talking about bodies and 
like what bodies were doing, but um, just because you know, I think junior high girls like our bodies are starting to do stuff, and we're in massive um, denial and or even even if we're not con even if we're not consciously denying we're like denying to our friends or pretending it's not happening or do you know what I mean like you're almost schizophrenic at that point but later Dracar Noir yeah I'm familiar I'm familiar there was a dude who wore oh 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 grade 10 in between in between uh, grade 10 and 11 I went for French training in Quebec and I remember this boy Charles he wore the sexiest fucking scent oh my god oh my god Jacquard Noir <laughs> no well what was it you just turned it over to me at a moment where I'm like what's happening well uh, oh I want it I want it I thought there would be more fucking ending to your story Oh, she's touching her hand to her heart. Up on her throat, her head's thrown back. And she's motioning at me that she wants the fucking mic. Oh, and she's breathing hard. Oh, my God. So it's too bad I can't remember the name of the scent. I want to say it was a Ralph Lauren scent, but I, I have no idea. But this boy, I was going to call him man, but admittedly we were children. So this young fellow, Charles, oh my God, he was American, he was kind of ginger, he wore a polo shirt with a popped fucking collar, there was something about the way he spoke to me, about the way he smelled, oh my God, still, it's been 18 million years, and I'm just like, where's Charles, oh my God, by now I know what to do. I love it. Do you know what? I think we all need those memories because because if you actually you would have had a thing, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, probably there'd become a point where you're like, Charles doesn't fucking flush the toilets. And then you're like, I don't care how Charles smells. The toilet's dirty and it smells like shit. So I think it's glorious to have those, um, I don't know what you call them, those sentimental memories or what have you like where it's just you can go back to that moment in time and you can evoke you can evoke all the feelings that you had at the time and you can take those into your present life and make them make you feel good now and help you now and I think that's really amazing and I think that's true of like vacation sex and hotel sex and all the things and and it's good to have those, and we need to have those. And your wine glass is fucking empty. She's pulling her glass away. So sorry, this is going to be a bit of an extrapolation. And a bit of a question for you. Do you remember the moment that you became sexual? I'm not, I'm not giving you the mic, though. You're just going to think about it. I'm going to talk about it. As I said earlier, I lost my virginity at 25, which was later in life, for sure. Not abnormal, not weird for anybody listening. But I also remember the point, and it was much later than 25. I do remember, I mean, I can't pinpoint it, but I remember there was a moment where I was like, no, I'm, I'm a sexual person. Like, I'm sexual. I'm, and there was definitely a turning point, and it was 
maybe a bit of a transition. And maybe you can speak to this because I think certain parts of that tr- transition were, were in place before I ever met you. But I feel like I've also transitioned somewhat since I've met you in terms of just who I am, what I do, owning it. This is how I look. This is how I walk in the world. Yeah, there seems to just be a, for me, like a, I don't know, an owning it. And maybe this goes back to the education we receive as women and when, because it's lacking, that education. And so when you come to the, for me, there was, there was definitely a coming to the moment of like, you fuck it, fuck you. You just fuck it. Okay. This woman, this podcast guest has been fucking fighting me on the wine. She didn't want this goddamn bottle. I tried to refill her wine five minutes ago. She's like, no, no, no. She wasn't just, no, no, no. She put her wine glass out of reach on another table, far behind her. And then she just, as I was talking about important shit, she just looked around, realized she didn't have a glass, reached back to the table where she, like, fucking left her glass. It wasn't there. So what did she do? She picked up my fucking wine glass and she had a drink. I'm not judging. I fucking love it. But Jesus Christ, you better fucking say something amazing on this fucking podcast right now. (laughs) Oh, my God. When we decided to meet, I I needed a place where we could laugh like like hyenas and not be interrupted. And clearly we found it. I'm an asshole. I stole her wine. I wouldn't drink anymore, but I stole her wine. So anyway, I don't even remember what you're talking about because I'm so amused by being a jerk. Oh, she fought me when I tried to answer the question and took the microphone. I don't fucking remember either. I'm pretty sure I was talking about my sexual history. Oh, you got it. You remember? You remember? You remember? You remember? I'm going to get you a fucking glass. (laughs) This is like the highlight of my life. Giving away my glass, insisting that I would not drink anymore, putting it out of her fucking way. And then stealing from her. It's like, I'm so proud of myself. Okay, so I think you were talking about how your sexuality has changed over time. You wanted to ask first about when I was first aware of being a sexual being. Yeah, but now I'm recalling. Now I'm recalling. I remember, I have a very clear memory of, of being special in grade five when a boy let me wear his hat which sounds hilarious and it's is that sexual and it's interesting because i can clearly see that there's something about being sexual and being recognized and belonging that i have completely tied up in one knot that for me, being accepted, being noticed, being appreciated, and also being sexual. Now, later, I think I could take it apart, but I, like, for the first 30, 35, 40 years of my life, I don't know if I could take that apart. Yeah. You said really intelligent things. So you also wanted to talk about how my sexuality may have changed over yeah, the yeah. over time, over the years. So clearly, 
from grade five and feeling somehow special that Sean in grade five let me wear his hat, right? Uh, clearly things have changed. And yet I do remember when my husband let me wear his hat, it had some sort of a thrill to it. So you're still a slut for a hat? Apparently I still feel recognized when a man gives me, lets me wear his garments. Actually, that's exactly what it is. That's what it is that there's a recognition, potentially there's a caring, but there's certainly something that feels seen in me, feels recognized, feels special when a man lets me wear his clothing. That's interesting. Is it an element of, I mean, because it strikes me as being very intimate, lets you wear his clothing. I mean, that's for him. That's something that he purchased and chose for him. So if he's okay with you wearing that, that seems like there's an element of, yep, let her in. She's in. She's in. I'd be really curious to know what men intend by that. Because I actually remember the night that I met my husband, like as it got colder in the evening, he took off his leather jacket and allowed me to put it around my shoulders. Maybe he put it around me, I, that I don't remember. But it was something about wearing his coat. It felt like, I don't know. Is this a historical thing? Is this a, I'm a chattel being dressed or decorated? Is this that I'm being recognized? Is this that I'm being protected? What is it? I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's a chattel thing. I don't, I don't know that it's as possess, possessive. Although I could see that you would look at it that way. I don't know how historical it is. I do think that it's um, it's certainly societally ingrained to a sense of like protect women, make them feel comfortable. But I think it's kind of so ingrained, maybe a little bit, little bit biological, that fundamentally I, I think he's interested in you. He sees you being uncomfortable. Or, or you're going to go out in a situation that is going to be uncomfortable, unsafe, so he's going to offer this to you. I don't know. I don't know that it's an anti-feminist, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Isn't it just somebody saw your discomfort, maybe, and just wanted to mitigate that? I think I'm going to reflect on this, that it is... That at least his intention in that moment, and I'm sure this could be twisted and turned in every fucking way, but his intention was to make me comfortable, to provide for me. Because as a, for example, I was on retreat last weekend with only women with whom I was had zero sexual interest. Like that's not the vibe of what was going on. But one of the girls was just going to run barefoot down to the beach across a rocky path. And I was sitting there. I didn't need my shoes. And I'm like, no, take my shoes, take my shoes, take my shoes. And it was very much like, I'm going to be fine. Take my shoes. I want your feet to be protected. Like, I know you're fine. I know you could manage barefoot. I'm not taking away from your power. I just want this to be more comfortable for you to do what you're about to do. So that feels like the gentle side of it. And we could go into a long conversation around 
permission and intention and manipulation and what all is going on with signals that feels like we we could delve into this shit. I mean, I get that. Like, I've been on the receiving end of that where I'm not doing anything that's going to harm me, but people are just like, we get it. Like, here's what we have to offer you. And that's lovely and wonderful. We got off of sex. We need to get our we need to get our waiter over here. It's really cute. Should we get him to come over here and ask him that? I definitely think we should talk to our waiter because he works at a hot bar at happy hour and he is cute AF. Let me tell you. She means cute as fuck. We can say fuck on the drunk sex podcast. <laughs> Apparently my guests didn't know. Have you met me? No, I was just being really fucking cool. Trying to say cute AF. Yeah. No, just be really fucking cool and just say fuck. We just high fives. You didn't hear that? Oh, see, he's friendly. He, I, now that I'm like, come over and talk to us, waiter. We know his name. We sound like assholes. We know his name. His name's Morgan. But I was just at the end of the table talking to people that aren't us. In the meantime, we could talk about male and female roles because I think this is relevant to sex. Maybe it's not as dirty as Jen likes. But here's another story that popped into my head. I had a really good conversation with my dear friend Jimmy, who's from Texas. And uh, he was up visiting me at my weekend property. And he was watching me literally chop wood. Like, there I am, hacking away with an axe and doing a completely shitty job. Like, straight up shitty job. And I wasn't asking for help. I was just hacking away and doing a crappy job. And Jim looked at me and said, would you like me to chop you some wood? And I said, yes, that would be great. Thank you. And it's so interesting because later he and I talked about male and female roles and that it actually for like really decent straight up guys, it can be very hard to offer help to women because we can come from a really wounded place where it's like he says, oh, can I pick up that heavy thing for you? And I'm all or we are all. Ah! Fuck you, patriarchy motherfucker. Like, I got this heavy-ass bag. Fuck you for thinking that I'm not capable. And then he's feeling like crap because he meant, hey, that looks heavy. I'd love to help you. And we're all, meh. Get out of my fucking way, patriarchy piece of shit. But are we, like, are we that awful to people who offer us help? You're you're nodding that you think that it's true, but I mean I've I have been offered help uh, many times exactly uh, not this specific situation, but uh, from the the male mindsets that you just explained, and I've been like nope I'm good nope I'm okay, and and there and, and then it's not a fuck you, it's not a fuck you I don't need help it's just like nope got it, and I mean don't get me wrong like. I recognize the differences in what you were talking about that he, he feels like, fuck you, don't need your child, fuck you, fuck you. I get that. But the flip side of that is you can also just decline and not... And here's the thing, like, some guy offers to help me and it's something that I can do really easily. And I, I mean, I appreciate the offer. 
But if I can do it easily, I'm just going to do it. Then it's like, am I going to wound his ego that if I actually need some help with something like really hard and, and heavy later that he's not going to do it? Like, it's just, I don't know. I think about these things. I overthink these things all the time. I overthink things. I fucking overthink it. Okay. So I have a lot of thoughts about this. And it's completely tied to sexuality, to sensuality, and who you are as a human being. What are your boundaries? What are your capabilities? Where is your power? So, if a lovely, happens to be sexy man like Jimmy, offers to do something for you, what is your response? Is there a sexual overlay for you? Because... I know that Jimmy runs, as a, as a complete example, pardon me, Jimmy, thrown you on the flames here. I know that Jimmy runs a lot of sexual energy, and I also know him to be a guy who's just, he's just a good guy, and he'll offer to do an, a helpful thing for you. And it, yes, in theory, it could be part of seduction, but most of the time I think he's just offering to do a, a, like a good thing that for many many years it has been a gallant and decent thing and I feel for him that now it can be very tricky to offer to do things for strong capable whole women where we may or may not say yes and we may or may not even get fucking mad that he offered to pick up a bag, to chop our wood, to whatever, carry something for us. And I think, um, I think as women, I'm now specifically talking to women that this is important to feel into. Like, if you want to receive more orgasms, if you want to receive more pleasure and more recognition in your life, are you able to receive favors and offers of goodwill? And can you tell the difference between a favor that's offered to you with a whole lot of fucking baggage, I think we know what I'm talking about, versus a favor that's offered to you out of just being a decent human being? And I think it's really important for us as women to tune into that and tell the difference between what has strings and what is just all of us being human beings together. Do you know what I mean? Modern society is tricky. It's 2019. A lot of shit has gone down. Um, you know, we've gone from caveman society to Victorian society to women being chattel, to women being possessions, to women having the vote to women getting the pill, to women, uh, the women's orgasms being magic, to a degree of pendulum swinging, to like giant shoulder pads and women ruling the world and women being bad bitches. And uh, like, and where are we now? Right? And where are we now? What are we doing? Are, uh, can we still be whole, complete, sentient, capable beings and have someone just give us something nice and can we just say thank you and isn't it funny that we don't even 
our boundaries are so prickly that we can't just say an easy thank you. So let's transition this into bed, Jen, because uh, so let's go from social mores back into bed, back into receiving orgasms, and now the politics of giving and receiving orgasms. Now we're back into your zone of genius. Okay, talk. <laughs> oh, shit. Something that uh, pops into my head, uh, it, totally unrelated book uh, with Kate Northrup, uh, Your Love Story with Money. And she talks about a lot about your value. And, and so she talks about money as uh, your value. So if somebody wants to buy you a drink, like they're trying to tell you their value that they value you and 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 uh, when I just pop back into the conversation where Tara was in that I was like oh she's talking about something that that makes me think of value and that it's sometimes hard to receive when people are are trying to tell you in terms of like buying you a coffee or spending time with you that you're valuable and I think that translates to sex and that that it's it's hard to I mean I think I'm not the only woman that's had the experience of a partner being like I'm just gonna go down on you until you come and and well I mean that's fucking lovely to hear but even partners that I knew really well that would say that and that I believed that to be very true that they, that they wanted to give that to me. They wanted to do that for me. And, and I do think that reflects on value. Like they valued me as a partner and a person and all of those things. But I found it very hard to get out of my head in the sense that I, I had something in my head. I'm now taking too long. There was, there was a demarcation where I'm like, now it's not fun for him. And I, I mean, I never talked about this to him. I never had these conversations. And I believe that they all were le legit, like, you know, just really wanted to pleasure me and get me off and all this stuff. But I had something in my head that there was a marker that we crossed that for me, I was like, oh, you're now just, you're just doing work, right? Like, like this is work for you now. This is something that you need to, you need to do to get your partner off. This is something that you know, maybe feeds your ego when I come, blah, blah, blah. And there, there came like a bit of a turning point where I, this is actually the first time I've talked about this specifically. And so I'm thinking through it as I talk about it. But yeah, there was, there was definitely a moment where I'm like, oh, you're not into it anymore. You're, you're trying to get me off. And there comes a point where I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Don't believe or think that it's really about my pleasure anymore and then it's maybe about your ego I don't know I don't know Tara wants the fucking mic you know what I'm talking about right you know that you know yeah it's interesting because there is I'm feeling a spectrum of what he wants to do from a legit like I am here for you and I want you to fucking come and come and come and fucking lose your eyeballs out of your head. And, you know, like I can imagine as a dude that would rock my world. I'd be like, yeah, I'm all the shit. There's my lady. She doesn't even know what planet she's on. And I think there's also a what I'm sensing is that a guy could also 
go along the spectrum where he's got some of that, but some towards like, I'm so fucking great. Every woman comes for me. I can always make it happen because I have all the fucking skills. No lady can ha- can hold out against my incredible skill. And I think there's, I do think there's a spectrum between someone who's in it, like, because he truly wants her to have a beautiful experience versus his, e- like, she comes be- to prove to his ego that he's all that. Yeah, and as you said that, I think, I wonder if I miscommunicated. It wasn't that it was a chore for them or a job for them. Like, they legit... They legit wanted to do that for me. And it wasn't that they were tapping out. It was me in my head being like, they can't really keep wanting to do this because it's been, not going to lie, 45 fucking minutes. Right? So I'm like, oh, he didn't. And so it's not them. It's not them being like, not wanting to do it or not being legit. And and when they said like, I just want to get you off. I could do the whole day. It's me in my head somehow being like he can't have meant 45 minutes now i'm hard work and now this is bullshit but but the flip side of that is that but i think they actually do mean that that they you know the men that have said that to me looking back i think they really did mean like for however long and they weren't put out they weren't whatever but i get into my head and the problem is that i get into my head where there's somehow a point in my mind that's flipped and i don't know what it is where I go, I'm taking too long. And so now I'm worrying about it. So now I'm worried about taking too long. I'm worried that you're going to be angry. And I'm, I'm, so I have those thoughts, which of course take me out of it, but he's inevitably all the time doing amazing thing was, which I enjoy. So I'm trying to focus on that more because he said he's going to do it until I come, but I've taken myself out of it. And it becomes this like fucking crazy mind thinking batshit game that that doesn't serve him in the sense of they've always really truly honestly wanted to get me off no matter how long it took and fighting that and he doesn't always know that I'm fighting that that I that I get into my head and into a point where I'm like no it's it's too long it's a chore right it's a bit of a mental fight I don't know do you know what I'm talking about can you relate? Do you can I hand you the mic, please? <laughs> Let me save you from yourself. So yeah, I'm feeling you, you and your and your head game. So what's going on inside your head during this like holy fuck it's been so long, ba ba ba, ba ba ba, right? Like, oh my god, I'm such a jerk. There's no way when he said, Baby, I want you to fucking come, blah 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 that he meant 45 minutes. There's no way he meant 60 minutes. There's no way he meant 90 minutes. Like, surely his jaw's gonna fall off, his tongue's gonna fall off, like fucking whatever's happening. And I hear you, and well, and then I've heard a little guy chatter where they're like, Jesus Christ, like, fuck, it's fucking forever. And, and I think that will absolutely reinforce for us that fear and who can possibly fucking come when they're when they've got a clock inside their head 
Right, who could possibly, who can relax into their body and, uh, like, you know, a fellow next door has been listening. I think I'm going to ask him how he feels about all this. Hey, what's your name? Come on over. I feel like you have a lot to say about this. Come on over. I, I can't. I can't say that I've actually been listening to the full content, but I've, I think I've heard enough of the podcast to kind of figure out what's going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So tell us. Tell us what's up. Uh, what's Sorry up? The, the, the microphone has to get really close to your face. I do apologize. For I, I feel like that you're not getting close enough yourself. <laughs> I feel like it, I, think we, I think we need to share. We, we have to share this mic that looks like a, a, a weird puffy dick. But anyway, so we're sharing the weird puffy dick. It looks what's, your, what's your name? I need to know your name now that I'm sharing a dick with you. <laughs> with the iPhone dick? It's a shame that we're not on the dick, uh, because then it just wouldn't be indistinguishable. I could just say dick all the time, and you wouldn't know the who, difference, really. Who doesn't love Kiwis? Uh, right? We oh. all love Kiwis nice in work. Vancouver. I'm, yeah, well done. I'm, I'm very... Oh, now we're... The door is opened, and now we can see the dick. Morgan's getting angry at us because yeah. we exposed the dick. <laughs> but we didn't expose his dick. No, no, just just the dick here. Uh, so what's the topic today? What are we talking? Okay, so specifically, Jen and I were leaning into and discussing. So... Let's say a fellow was going to say to us, baby, I am going to like do whatever it takes to make you come like forever so hard. Okay. And then she and I are thinking in our heads, oh my God, it's been fucking 45 minutes. I'm such an asshole. He can't possibly have meant this. Okay. Okay. So like are you exploring maybe a bit of a deep dive on like what he can do or maybe or a, no. a nice way to just tell him to stop. No, 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 like, what's he thinking? No, no, don't want him to stop. <laughs> don't want him to stop. But I'm worried that he wants to stop because he said whatever, whatever. And then I'm in my head, I'm like, it's been 45 minutes. He can't really want to go down to me for this long. He's angry, but now he's in. He's committed. And I'm like, and then I'm in my head about all this shit. Right? All right, all right. <laughs> There's more people that want the mic. <laughs> Snug in. Snug in. No, no. Oh, they're just listeners. But, oh, he's with me. But feel free to chime the fuck in. We need another bottle of wine. This has been The Drunk Sex Podcast with Jen Wadkey. For more sex talk, head over to the Jen Wadkey Facebook group or check out jenwadkey.com. Till next time, happy boozing and sexing.